0: Today, you'll get to know the six most effective key points that you have to keep in mind while budgeting so you can run a profitable private practice without carrying significant amount of debt. Private practice owners, it's time to change the status quo that says healthcare workers are always burned out and never have enough time or energy. Welcome to the Provider's Edge podcast, I'm your host, Sabrina Rumback. I am a provider, an international peak performance keynote speaker, and a best-selling author. My guests and I teach providers operational efficiency, how to reduce provider fatigue, and increase patient satisfactions. If you're ready to rewrite the rules for your own practice so you can have more time off, a great team and more income while delivering better patient care, you're in the right place. This is your defining moment to be a disruptor in healthcare. Money, money, money. We all work for a living. We all use the money to exchange things that we want out of life, whether it's the material or experiences and to really support those that we love. However, even after all the struggle of making money, how are we really feeling secure? and free. It's based on budgeting and using a really reflecting on where those money and coming and going. Um, especially for people in private practices where you have so much more than just your family. You have your staff, you have your practice growing. So it's important to know where everything need to be and do you have enough for cash flow. So Dan is the owner of Financial Coach uh, Money Works Financial Coaching and he has dedicated his life his work to see individuals, business owners and nonprofit to find Safe Harvard with them finances through financial clarity, organization, and consistency. And he earned his bachelor's degree in financial economics from the uh, Moravian College and Master uh, Divinity degree in pastoral ministry from Westminster Theologies. Seminary. And Dan loves helping individuals and organizations to build a framework to making financial decisions. So they put the money where the heart is and consistently step toward their goals. Thank you so much for joining us, Dan.
1: Thank you for having me, Sabrina. It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: For everyone who's listening, they must be asking, hmm, right? Money, and finances. How did you decide that even back in your undergrad days that you wanted to concentrate on this topic and then your master's degree is in something different? Do you think they're connected? How did you uh, formulate your career?
1: Right, right. Well, I, I see the money and ministry as being really vitally connected to one another. And I kind of start talking about money. We always think about dollars and cents and the green stuff and the stuff that we see on our apps on our phone. And we get a really, you know, warm, fuzzy feeling when we see a high balance. And then we get this all depressed feeling when we see a low one. And really, that's not what money is about at all. Money is an expression of value. So, you know, the currency or, you know, dollars and cents or the euro or whatever it is that we're using for currency that's really just a standardized way for us as a society to be able to express value. You know, we go to the grocery store and we we buy a bottle of ketchup. And if it's too expensive, we're not going to buy it. We'll do something else. But if it's you know less expensive than we thought it was, we think we got a deal, right? It really has, has nothing to do with dollars and cents as such. It's what we value. And so it's how we assign value to things. And so that's really how I see the connection point between my ministry training and with my money training, my economic training as well. It's all about what we value.
0: For budgeting, the main thing you have to focus on is your own value system. People have different values. Observe your surroundings and see what are the things you value the most. It can be leadership or team building, paying off debt for the new office expansion, or personal fine experiences you have to know your aims and goals in life. Envision how you would live out your values on a practical basis. Start by listing out what is the most important things to you and your clinical business. And then listing out what you would be willing to exchange for financial security. Then modify your budget and cash flow accordingly. Yeah, I think that's perfectly said. Anything in life, I was just on a radio show yesterday with a politician. Really, like who we support, what we want to do with our life, mm-hmm. everything is based on value system. And mm-hmm. if we're very clear on what that value is and mean to us, and then of course life makes much easier decision. And especially uh, from what even I talked about on um, how do we create time, how do we be more efficient and productive, and that will help us to really think about, do I want to focus on um, money, making more, but it's actually about what your value system aligned with exchange, mm-hmm. right? And I also be, believe uh, money is really just the exchange of energy because based on the example you gave um, ketchup, well, your exchange for the ketchup to give you a better taste spot, right? Like to have that grill day, put on the burger and enjoy it, for yourself and the people who are with you because that's the experience of exchanging that joy and that happiness. And then that is the same thing as value because in that moment, the value could be just the activity of being with people, Right, and then the value could be I appreciate good food. So, I, I, and then uh, the value could be whatever that moment of exchange is. But if we know it, then it, it doesn't matter if that ketchup is two dollars or organic five dollars. Well, if you choose to live a healthier way and you want to have organic, you will spend that five bucks.
1: Right, exactly. And you know the way that we make decisions with our money should be. Infused with our values, we should be consciously thinking about the things that matter to us as we deploy our money in various ways, whether it being buy the five dollar organic ketchup versus the two dollar non organic or whatever it might be. Right. And people have different values, and that's okay. Right. But we need to consistently act out what we value with our money so that we're not, you know, mismatching or misaligning like you said, with what's in our hearts versus what we actually do. And that's what most people do. Most people don't act consistently with their money. They might do one thing one day, one thing the next, and then they wonder why they feel all stressed out about yes.
0: it. Yes. Yes. Is that I don't even know where I'm going, right? right? Like, so for me, I feel like when people, while there's also being proven by research, when we get overwhelmed it's not so much that it's so much. Yeah, well, there's too much to do, not enough time. Not because we don't know what to do. Is we consistently saying yes to the things that are not aligning in what we need to go for what you truly want So it's about losing the aim in life, in business, in whichever that subspecialty of area, right? Even missing... Aim in your own personal mission. So, if you don't even know what it means to be you, what you can provide to the world, then of course, your practice, your job, your individual, you might choose to explore everything and just trying to figure it out. But it's not intentional. So, the way you end mm. up t- taking all these turns and spending money on um, maybe yet another program, yet another certification. Thinking that will get us somewhere, but it's not because Mm -hmm. even you got that certification, you got those new employees in your practice. It's still you don't know what to do with those.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Money is simply a tool, right, to help us accomplish the goals that we have. So, you know, if we have, say, a practice and two different practices may look completely different, and that's fine, right? They should also reflect the values of the owners or the particular owner. But when we think of, say, you know, getting certifications, because that's important in my business as well, right, in the financial industry and all of that, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to, say, grow your business simply because you have another certification. So we have to take a step back and think about, well, what are the different things that I can do? Maybe that don't cost a lot of money that can grow my business to the point where, okay, then I can go get that certification. Instead, we might spend thousands of dollars that isn't really going to help us immediately and might sink our business (laughs) if we don't do it properly, right? So we have to think of both the short-term and the long-term goals, right? And use our money strategically so that we can accomplish, yes, the short-term, but then also make sure those short-term goals are inching us towards the long-term ones as well. Right And that's what you had mentioned before. it's when we, we make the best decisions when we're looking in the long term, but we're kind of acting in the short term. So we're taking those incremental steps towards the goals.
0: Right, exactly. Just like when we talk about atomic hobbits and uh, many mm-hmm. researchers in that domain of we have to compound our to do's of now mm-hmm. that will small steps, easier steps yet, challenging and exciting because some of the research I think I'm missing out is that if we consistently taking the comfortable steps, then you actually don't see where you could be to into yourself to challenge yourself to get to the next place because if the row is so comfortable then you stay on it right but right. it's never going to give you that growth yet when we take risks it's those calculated risks right. not to feel like you have to eat an elephant in one day but uh, to break it down in okay now i have that aim and it's not mm-hmm. so big so hypothetical that you feel like you're never going to get it. Because we're Mm -hmm. always going to have some type of fear in, do I have enough money for security? How do I expense certain things in life? But if we can't even take on that challenge at all, then of course, we're also holding ourselves back. So it's definitely an internal battle, but we also needed to remove that Persona of I'll never get there, or uh, I'll wait for the better time, right? Like the if then mentality that a lot (laughs) of us have. Oh well, if only I have that new office. If only I have that new staff member. If only I have more certificate, then people will see me as such as such, right? Mm -hmm. Our identity Mm -hmm. shouldn't be attached. To the physical world, it should be really seen as when we come back to the value system, do I really be very clear on what the value I'm holding and how I wanted to project for other people to see me in those values instead of all the ancillary things that are not truly connected to who I am as my identity.
1: Right, right. And that's so crucial is living out our identity with our money and with our other resources, such as time. Money and time are very similar. You can always kind of make more money, but you can never get more time, right? Right. Um, But, you know, I was thinking of of some of the issues that you had mentioned, you know, of being overwhelming. And especially in the healthcare industry, the clients that I've worked with, a lot of it is debt, right, is is student debt. And so, you know, we look at, you know, maybe a six-figure loan balance or loan balances, and we get all intimidated and we, we think that we can never make any progress. With it. Right. But if we can break it down into a component pieces and then attack each piece individually, we can actually start to make progress on those kinds of things. And so it is far less overwhelming to to do it that way rather than see, wow, I owe $100,000, $200,000 in student loans. Sure, I make a decent salary. Maybe I make six figures. But with the cost of living and everything, it doesn't seem like it goes as far as I thought it would when I was in school. And now I come out and I say, well, I can do it, but I have to be more careful than I thought I was going to. And so we might do it one month and not do it the next month. But as you mentioned budgeting, the key to budgeting is doing it consistently and doing the same thing every month, taking those small steps towards the goal. So maybe you do have $150,000 of student loan debt. Most likely you can pay that off. If you have a, a decent job and you're consistent with it and everything, you can pay that off and probably less time than you think, right? But you can't pay it off maybe in a single year. It might take you a couple, three years to do it, but you can do it. And then after that, you really you can pursue your goals with more eagerness and even more excitement because you don't have say your debt that is draining you down and dra- dragging you down over time
0: yeah, that's a, such a good point is many people have the fear of just being in debt, as you're saying. So how mm-hmm. can we think that, oh, I already came out with hundreds of thousands of debt. And at the same time, I wanted to own something on myself, right? Mm-hmm. Have a, a practice, but mm-hmm. then you have to hire and then you have to think about how much you're paying someone per hour. And then that's, that's part of your growth. So some people might have the fear of, oh my goodness, I couldn't even borrow even more just to hire What if I don't create enough revenue. So then it really holds people back, right? And then mm-hmm. I, I believe being in debt not necessarily is a bad thing mm-hmm. if you have the cash flow to continue to grow. And it's not necessarily everyone needs to be zero free debt. I uh, was lucky both from the help of family and my own scholarships and whatnot from undergrad to two masters. I only accumulated 150 uh, grand of debt and I mm. paid it off in two and a half years because right. I budgeted in a way. And also, again, I wasn't really paying rent um, for those two years because I just put everything toward my principal and toward my interest rate, but not Mm -hmm. everyone is able to do that. But if if you can somehow just incrementally, then that's fine. And then for many people who has been out for many years, maybe you still have trickling debt, whether it's a house or uh, a business loan, right? Like small business was over. You can take out more loans. It's not necessarily bad thing, but it's to keep you at float. So Dan, do you have any suggestions when it comes to what are the some things we should really pay attention to when we're budgeting and then make sure we have a cash flow? Everyone's situation is different. How you run your private practice might be different from your competitors. You might value team growth and scaling your clinic versus purchasing the next high-end equipment. Each provider or each clinical practice needs a different budgeting plan according to different circumstances. You cannot simply apply one budget to all situations. Even if two or three people budget the same way, they will have completely different percentage allocation toward the expenses personalize your budget plans according to your private practice's needs and growth projection.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a number of things, especially, you know, surrounding debt. And I find a, a lot of times what people struggle with is not, say, the two or three major debt payment methods, right? There's there's only a few different ways to really do it. There's maybe flavors of each of those, but, you know, there's, there's only really a few. But the the issue a lot of times is the way that we think about it. So we do get overwhelmed, or we don't take any action. We know that we should do such and such and such. Or we read an article on Bankrate or, or Mint.com or whatever it might be, right? And and we think th- this is the way that we need to do it because so and so expert with a PhD said so. Well, that, that's not necessarily the case. You know, the the problem with with debt tends to be risk, right? And it's the risk of. Well, what if I can't pay this back? Then is the bank going to foreclose on my home? Or if I declare bankruptcy, my student loans are still there, right? All of those kinds of things. So it takes a a moment. We have to step back and think about, okay, what is the purpose of this debt? What purpose is it serving as I'm going towards my goals? How can I best now, as I've taken out these loans to get this degree, get this training education, how can I use that education to pay these loans back? Right, make sure that we're kind of getting a return on our quote unquote our, our investment. right? It's not strictly speaking an investment, but you know we, we are spending money and hopefully getting a return from that. right So but when we talk about you know budgeting, the one of the key things is prioritization. So the, the, like what we're talking about before with the, the value system, how do we actually live out our values on a practical basis using either a, you know even just a, a pad and a pen, right? Just listing out what's most important to us. You know, is it rent and debt payments and all of these kinds of things? Or can, you know, maybe I can live with roommates or with a family member or something and get creative like that uh, so that I can assign more of my money to the things that are most important to me. Say somebody does want to be completely debt free. Okay, great. Say they don't. Okay, well, well, incorporate that into the way that they budget. So it's personalized to each person in in each individual situation because, you know, you can read an article and -and so-and-so recommends budgeting this way. Well, sure, there are principles that we apply, but it depends on the particular sets of circumstances for each person and the way that they want to live out their values. I might have five different clients and they might, quote-unquote, budget the same way operationally, but those five budgets are completely different because they have five different value sets standing behind them, five different sets of personal circumstances standing behind them and all of those kinds of things. We might have a business owner or somebody who wants to start a business. And so they want to say, get rid of their debt quickly so that they can maybe feel more secure or take on you know a small business loan. right? You might have a physician assistant who is just out of school, but is planning to get married and they want to prepare for the wedding first right? All of those kinds of things also can come into play. So it's really taking stock of the way that we think about our money, where we want to go with it, and then also what's our priorities as we're, you know, deploying our resources. And actually both time and money, you know, we can budget for both.
0: Correct. And then am I right hearing you? I actually read a book called Profit 1st not sure if you heard that. Um, So uh, yeah. Yeah. So in that book, in the sense of when we talk about value system, to me, it simply means if I know my value, then I'm going to put percentage of what I earned Mm -hmm. immediately into those buckets. So when we already bucket out of our money distribution right away, and then I think that that book is suggesting twice a month, right? You're already Mm -hmm. paying off Mm -hmm. and allocating your money. And then you don't feel like, All I'm doing is swiping credit card, buying things, and then you don't know where everything goes because you have to dedicate a bucket of saving, checking Mm -hmm. account Mm -hmm. for all the purposes that you already have for yourself. So those are the safety blankets, whether it's, oh, I gave myself 10% on fun stuff, 10% on my personal growth, all right? And then- Maybe if you wanted to free off your debt and concentrate on that 40% of tour, you're paying off your loans. So whatever that Mm -hmm. value system is, then we assign a number. Is that right?
1: Right, it is. Yeah, and Profit First is generally speaking for small business owners. And uh, it's a a great read, great system, nice and flexible for various kinds of industries. Then we can take those same principles and apply them to a personal budget as well, right? So we can say... You know, here's my income and here's my expenses. But the, the nice thing about profit first is it it says, OK, I'm going to put a restraint on my expenses or the kinds of expenses that I'm going to incur. So, you know, you want to have some money for fun. Right. We all need kind of a, an outlet, a release from the day to day stress of life. And so that's really, really important for a lot of people and very understandably and very appropriately so. And as we go through and we look at, okay, what are these other areas of life too? We can assign, say, percentages or you know, build a, a system around how am I going to spend my money? What is the best way I can deploy and most effective way that I can deploy my money so that I can take steps towards my goals while still living in the present? That, you know, you have to kind of balance both. But what Profit First does is it says, well, we have to think intentionally before we actually get the money, what it's going to do, whether, you know, it's a hospital that's paying us salary or it's our own private practice that's paying us, whatever it might be, before we actually receive either the revenue or the income, what are we going to do with it, right? All we're doing in a budget is saying, okay, money, this is what you're going to do for me rather than at the end of the month wondering where our money went. You know, one of the things I, I like to say is you got to plan for your money or your money's gonna plan for you. And we'd all rather be in the driver's seat, right, than in the passenger seat along for the ride and <laughs> wondering where we're going, right? We wanna be in control of it. We wanna be the one that's that's driving the ship instead of, you know, wondering where, where it is that we're going or where our money's going.
0: Exactly. It's about being proactive in life, mm-hmm. in everything that you do. And I think that's uh, one reason I asked our speakers to take that quick whole life assessment where I cut down to 10 questions from my 100 questions deep dive with my prior practice owner clients um, just to really encourage us to think about how are we truly creating harmony in life. So Dan, when you saw your life will. What are some of the thoughts that pop into your head?
1: Yeah, yeah, I thought many of those questions were very interesting and, and a good way to kind of divide our, our, our lives up in the various kind of components, if you will. Um, I'm very strong in my my mission, right I, I know where it is that I want to go and I'll do what's what's necessary to get there, obviously legally, ethically, morally, all of those kinds of things right but in that it was very helpful just to kind of spend the time and think, through that and make sure that, yeah, the the little steps that I'm taking today, say, even, you know, being here with you today, right. It's a wonderful conversation. It's a small step on the way. Right. And as, as you do these kinds of conversations as well, this is part of fulfilling your mission too, of informing people. And that's what I'm trying to do. Help people. Even if I never meet them, I'd like to be able to help them. So that's part of my mission. I feel that, you know, very strongly. And then also, I guess I'll just pick a, another one. Personal character is extremely important to me, my own personal integrity, that I'll be true to my word, that if I say something, I mean it and somebody can hold me to it, right? Um, and in my industry and in my, my ministry life as well, that's extremely, is vitally important. I can't overstate how important it is that, you know, somebody in my position be true to their word, right? And, and true to, from a faith point of view, to, true to what God has called me to do. Right. Uh, I have to be true to that before all else. Right. And so going through an assessment like that was really helpful, kind of put numbers to what I was already thinking and feeling. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then it helps us to really see that alignment on what my values and what I want to focus in life is truly where I am doing. And that can help us to shift everything over or confirm that you're already doing the right thing for right. yourself, which is amazing. I know definitely a lot of people going to want to talk to you more about it, for you to look at their system, whether it's from a personal or professional standpoint. How can people reach out to you and uh, the, uh, what other resources you would like to provide for them?
1: Sure, sure. So I believe money and finances should begin with a conversation. So, you know, I offer a free consultation to, you know, anyone who would like to sign up. It's about 15 to 20 minutes just so they can get to know me a little bit and I can get to know them. I don't work with everybody. I do have other coaches I can refer people to as well, but I like to start with a personal relationship rather than, you know, just a a form or or video or something like that. Uh, I certainly use them, but only after a personal conversation typically. So I I like to start there and people can go to my website. It's just moneyworkscoaching.com and they can sign up for a free consultation there. And then we can, you know, do a zoom or phone call or whatever uh, works best. And I, I really enjoy that. That's, you know, even if you know somebody doesn't engage with me as a client at least i know that i've been able to help them in, in some way and that might just be pointing them in the right direction right might be to a financial advisor or to to me as a coach or to another coach or something like that and i guess i should address that as well i am not a financial advisor so you know i don't sell any financial products or uh, insurance investments anything like that my goal is to help people with the the mindset the mechanics and accountability surrounding their personal and their business finances. So I will refer to financial advisors and they actually refer to me as well. So we, we work together. We don't really compete with one another because the situation that I look to help is typically not the one that a financial advisor would look for.
0: Exactly. We all complement each other. In today's episode, we focused on six effective key points that will help you run a profitable private practice without carrying significant amount of debt. To recap, number one, for budgeting, the first and foremost thing you have to focus on is prioritization. Just list out what is the most important to you and what you want in exchange for cash flow, because your budget will be modified according to those. Number two, you have to save and spend your money according to your values. If you want to pay your business loan off first, then you have to be consistent with budget setting a specific amount each month. You should not say yes to purchases that are not aligned with what you truly need. Focus on the necessities. Number three, you have to think about your short-term and long-term goals. Then set financial plans strategically to accomplish those set of short-term goals that will make sure you get to your long-term goals. Number four, you should take small and easy steps toward your goals. Keep in mind that these steps you follow should be a bit of challenging and exciting at the same time. Those factors will help you generate momentum for you when facing difficulties. Number five. Just step back and think about the purpose of your debt and your expenses. Are they leading you toward your business and life goals? You cannot simply apply one budget to all situation, personalize your financial plans according to your business projection. Number six, make a financial plan in such a way that balances out your income and expenses. Run a business is meant for profiting. No matter how much loans you have to borrow or how early stage you are in running your private practice, you can always profit first. Set a profit percentage and allocate funds to that account today before looking at your expenses. You also have to put a restraint on expenses so you can stay profitable. It's hard to be an expert in everything, and that's why we can leverage on each other's connections, talents, and time to grow together. Join us in our next Healthcare Disruptor Think Tank, happening on July 10th. Go to SabrinaRoundback.com forward slash community so you can get spotlighted as a practice owner, a healthcare disruptor. and collaborate with other people to tap into their network and their resources this is a event limited to 30 participants so register now and we will see you on july 10th let's grow together thank you for listening to today's episode you're listening to me right now Azar. you're frustrated by how healthcare practices are running today i'm with you I'm looking to change the conversation that we're having in this field. It starts with me, and it starts with you. I want to connect with you and get to know your own struggle or challenges within the healthcare industry. Visit sabrinarombach.com forward slash connect, where you are going to find all of my social media platforms. Feel free to send me a direct message.
1: She really gets the conversation. She understands. She's an incredible listener. We were talking about worthiness and she really understands the concept of it, how it affects people in their businesses, in their clinics, in in their daily life, in their relationships. So I just want to encourage you to one, listen to our show, but to jump on board and start listening to this woman because she has so much insight and wisdom that you don't want to miss out.
2: Hi, this is Emmanuel Anthony, human behavioural speaker, researcher, writer, teacher, author and consultant. I just had the amazing opportunity to connect with Sabrina on what I think is amongst one of the most professional podcasts that I've been on. Uh, Not only is her professionalism very high, but her understanding and her knowledge as well. Uh, Working with podcasters, sometimes I'm just being interviewed, which is perfectly fine because I'm there to share my knowledge. But this is one occasion where i can definitely say that the person that i was communicating with not only was receptive and understanding to the concepts that we were communicating in terms of business and mindset and growth but she also had was able to elaborate and expand on those concepts now i've been doing this for 11 years i've been on a lot of podcasts i've spoken to a lot of people with a wealth of knowledge it was very very fulfilling and very nice to be able to communicate with somebody that not only had a plethora of knowledge but could share that in a bite-sized and very easily understandable kind of way. If it doesn't matter what kind of knowledge a person has if they can't communicate it to you. I've been speaking for the last 10, 15 years in hundreds of college campuses, um, but to be able to speak to a peer, someone who uh, I can see eye to eye with on the same level, it becomes a conversation. Uh, I'm not talking to an audience, I'm talking to a friend or someone that I felt like I should have met 10, 15 years ago, um, but you know, better late than never. Here I am right now to be able to just know that I'm not alone in my thoughts, uh, to know that there are other people out there who have reached the similar conclusions that I have with completely wayward and different life paths, to know that uh, there are people like us out there who believe that you can do not just option A or option B, but to do both you can't have both, that you can't have taken either two without hurting other people. There's an ethical ability that one may have when they channel their empathy to reach people and to have them go far together.
3: I'm Christine Nguyen, I'm a family physician and, um, the founder of the White Coat Romance, the dating app and development for um, healthcare professionals um, and the larger community of White Coat Professionals. And I had the honor of being a guest on the uh, Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals podcast as hosted by the wonderful and lovely Sabrina Runbrack, whom is so empowering. Um, I love her energy. I love all the work that she's doing to support healthcare professionals. And we had just a blast like talking about um, all the things that are relevant um, in our community and all the work that we're doing. And I love uh, listening to all of her podcasts and all the guests that she's interviewing um, and all the great work that they're doing. And it's just so inspiring. Um, her energy is infectious. And I love um, that she is constantly uplifting this community so i encourage that everybody go out there and go check out her podcast i would go ahead and binge on all the episodes like i did and you won't regret it take out your phone type in sabrina forward
0: slash connect and let's have a conversation i would love to hear your story